Hi friends, welcome to this week's Summer Rewind episode. Today we're kicking it back to one of my all-time favorite episodes on Teach Me How to Adult, all about resilience with best-selling author and coach Lise Wilcox. We released this one back in November of 2020, and honestly, I come back to it all the time because I learned so much about how to deal with adversity and how to transform our struggles into growth. Yeah, mastering your mindset and learning to deal with your shit is probably the most important lesson that we can take with us into adulthood. And this one can really change your life. So we hope that you listen to this on your hot girl walk this summer and enjoy this throwback combo with the wonderful Lise Wilcox. And stay tuned for our season two launch in September, where we'll take you back to school with a killer lineup of new episodes and content. See you then. Hi guys, we're your hosts Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends, how y'all doing? Are you surviving? Are you thriving? Man, it feels like pivot and resiliency are the key words of 2020, and for good reason. Yes. Change and adversity are the only constant in this life, and this year has really showed up to teach us that. So thanks, 2020. (laughs) But the more of a solid foundation that you have inside yourself, the more you can handle external shit when the world rocks you. It's so true. So this week we're talking about resilience with the insanely inspiring mindset and success coach, Lise Wilcox. Guys, she is the most vibrant and wise human being. You are going to love our chat. Seriously, she is the best. We are obsessed with her. I first discovered Lise when I was reading an article about her that I found online. And the premise of it was her basically saying that having breast cancer was actually like a gift or like a good thing that happened to her and I couldn't believe it I was like this is no this cannot be real and the more I read about it the more I was like we must talk to this person because she has basically unearthed this ability to find joy and beauty in things that are generally awful and I think we all want to harness more resilience right now to handle Mm -hmm. everything that's going on in the world but straight up what even is resiliency it's like this hot word that's thrown around and I feel like a lot of people like the idea of it but don't really understand what Mm -hmm. it is so it's defined as a capacity to recover quickly from difficulties and a lot of that comes down to mindset and developing a mindset that can protect you from all the external shit that can happen and a big part of it too is perception so do you conceptualize an event as being traumatic or is it a chance for you to learn and grow and it's all about kind of zooming out looking at it big picture and deciding what you want to do with what's happened in your life. And Lise talks about that later on in the episode. Yeah. Very helpful tool. Yeah. And when I think of resiliency, I picture all of the people who have gone through traumatic things that I honestly can't even comprehend how they're still so positive and joyful Mm -hmm. and fearless after everything that they've been through. Like I'm sure all of us could take a moment right now and picture who in your life have you just admired for their resiliency no matter what shit happens to them they're just like water off a duck's back they just keep going and moving with such grace and still finding joy and not clinging to despair i i just want to know i want to hack it i want to figure out how do i have that that's the secret sauce it's incredible i know when i think of resilience i think of my mom because she's just exactly what you said just been through a lot of shit in one lifetime that someone has had to go through and she's still the kindest and happiest and like most beautiful soul that I know 
and so nice. she just doesn't let what she's gone through define her and I think mm-hmm. that's so important she leads with love with everything she does and it's just so important to cultivate that when you're coming out of a bad situation or a traumatic experience and again Lise dives into how you can do that we have the secret sauce mm-hmm. it's just a matter of putting it into practice which is totally easier said than done, yeah. but... Well, it's like a muscle, right? It, yeah. Every time you exercise it and you practice it, you just build up that strength. And one of my favorite mantras that helps me get through bad times is that it doesn't have to be my narrative. Mm-hmm. I know I've said this to you once when you were going through something and it just kind of helps you take that step back and look at your life and go, okay, I'm holding the pen here. I control the narrative. What do I want it to be? Oh, full body shivers right now. <laughs> Seriously, when Kaylin told me that, that shit changed my life straight up. I was coming out of like a pretty bad year and a half spell of my life. And I just felt like, I don't know, probably I was like falling into a bit of victimhood. And then Kaylin was like, this doesn't have to be your narrative. These things have happened, but they don't need to define you or mm-hmm. be how you move through your life going forward. And it's hard when you're in the thick of it. Like yeah. Sometimes you need that third party to just help pull you out. And the whole thing with resiliency is that things can be happening around you, but they don't need to be happening to you. Yes. And that really helped me understand that I can feel my feels because I got a lot of feels, (laughs) but I don't need to live there. I don't need to dwell in them. Those things don't need to define me. And I feel like I've spent most of my life feeling like I'm too sensitive. I feel things too deeply, but feelings are data. They're not bad things. They are data points. They are just mapping out where you are in your life and helping point you to the things that need healing, the things that need work, the things that are working, the things that aren't working. Two strategies that have really helped me process things um, are from my queens, Brene Brown and Liz Gilbert. And in Lizzie Gilb's book, (laughs) Big Magic, she talks about writing letters to your feelings. And I started Mm. doing it. What a game changer. Wait, how does that work? Basically, you write a letter to whatever the different feelings or emotions you're working through are. So if a big thing was happening in my life and I was super scared, just so scared of failure and freaking out and self-sabotaging, I would write a letter, Dear Fear. I understand that you are here because you are protecting me from, you know, an evolutionary standpoint from doing something that could hurt me. Mm -hmm. But I am in the driver's seat. You are not. You can take a back seat right now. You have served your purpose. I cannot hold your hand anymore. I need to move forward with my life. Mm -hmm. And for grief, I would write a letter like, dear grief, like you are here to remind me of the love that I feel for a person that I've lost, not to haunt me, not to be like this evil thing in my life that's depressing me. I see you. I acknowledge you. You are here to stay. I'm going to find a way to live with you. And so you just kind you're of... writing the narrative. You're literally... Yes. There you oh go. My God, you're writing the narrative. That's so true. So that's been really great. Huh. It helps you acknowledge and work through and also like in a weird way, almost befriend these feelings that you can find to be your enemy and they're really yeah. not. And Brene Brown has her what's the story that you're telling yourself and Lise talks about this in the episode too I'm obsessed basically go watch her Netflix special but she is in a fight with her husband and they're on two completely different pages he doesn't understand where she's coming from she doesn't understand what's going on with him and she's like this was the story that I was telling myself I was unlovable I thought Mm -hmm. you didn't want me anymore none of that was true But her mind was filling in the blanks. She was telling herself a story. Right. And let me tell you, I can tell myself a story like no one else. I am a storyteller (laughs) through and through. And so that tool has helped me communicate and express with people that I love and with myself that when I start spiraling and when I'm not living in the present and I'm freaking out about something, I'm like, okay, what's What's the story story? I'm telling myself? This is the thing. It's all about kind of taking that step back when you're in the thick of it and having the self-awareness to just be like, hmm. I think I'm going through something right now. Maybe I should like CSI the shit out of everything I'm thinking right now. Yes. 
And especially in a year like 2020, when everyone is just talking about how it's just one piece of bad news after the other, mm -hmm. this can be the year where you flip the script and you find that resiliency and you turn this year around and you make a new story for yourself. Yes, I love that because it's a complicated subject. Like how do mm -hmm. you just change your mindset? People spend their entire lives trying to change their mindset, but this episode can be your guidebook to it. And Lise is amazing. But she is not, as she says, just another fucking coach. She's a top mindset coach, a podcast host, and a best-selling author, changing the global conversation on emotional health and wellness. She helps high-achieving and purpose-driven women figure their shit out. And she doesn't just talk the talk. She also walks the walk. She has gone through more than most people will in a lifetime. And through all of it, she harnessed her mindset and resilience to turn seriously painful things into beautiful things and wisdom that she's shared with everyone. And like I said, with all the shit going on in the world these days, I think we could all use a page out of her book and literally read her book. It's amazing. Teach us how to master our mindset, Lise. So in your beautiful book, To Call Myself Beloved, you delve into your tough journey with overcoming childhood trauma, a painful divorce, and battling breast cancer. Mm. But you've said that all of these traumatic experiences were actually hidden blessings and that they helped you find clarity and confidence. Yeah. And you also said that your breast cancer diagnosis rebooted your relationship with yourself. Mm. I mean, we are all dying to know how did you tap into this unbelievably positive mindset thank you very much I think it's the people really underestimate the significance and the importance of mindset as a foundational piece of their life and really when we're talking about mindset we're I am talking about emotional health like how are we really getting in touch with our emotional body and being able to feel what we're actually feeling and recalibrating from there so often like we're not actually taught how to feel. So instead, if we start to feel angry or jealous or lonely or sad or frustrated, we repress it. And we do a little more online shopping, which, you know, people love to brand as retail therapy and then it becomes cute. Or we have another drink, which people love to, you know, count down to. It's it's five o'clock somewhere and it's like, no, we have to stop. Like we have to actually feel our feelings. And when we have permission to really get a very clear sense on what it is we're feeling, that's when we can get a much uh, a much more real sense of clarity as to what what's actually happening here and then we can use our critical thinking skills to kind of s step into this new this new perspective and this new reframe on what's actually happening and start to align it all together I wish I had like a, oh you just do this and that's how it happens but it's like <laughs> it really is a practice and it really is a cultivation of skills and I mean we're all going to face difficult things in our lives at some point and especially this year has been pretty dark and filled with lots of loss and instability so building up that mental resilience is more important now than ever but it can be hard mm -hmm. it can be really hard to turn something difficult and ugly into something meaningful and beautiful so could you walk us through what you've coined as emotional alchemy and the 10 steps that you've created that's helped you and thousands of others overcome adversity when i first got my breast cancer diagnosis i was 36 single solo parent of three just the beginning of feeling genuine momentum in my like in my career and i got this like crazy diagnosis out of nowhere and i remember coming home lying on my living room floor and like screaming a lot of people say the universe i say god i was like screaming at god and i was like 
how the fuck am I going to do this? Like, tell me, how the fuck am I going to do this? And I heard this unmistakable voice being like, you were going to make this beautiful. And it like rocked me to my core. And I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to make every single part of this experience my own. I have cancer and I can't stop that. But what I can choose to do is make every single part of it beautiful. I was terrified to lose my hair. So what did I do? I had a head shaving party with my kids, a couple close friends. My kids' teachers came. It became this like really beautiful celebratory event to combat, like as the antidote to something that was really, really terrifying. When I knew I was going to uh, uh, remove my breasts um, as like a curative and totally healing treatment, I was terrified for what that would mean for my femininity. So the first thing I did was book a photo shoot with um, Mary Young, you know, Mary Young lingerie. I was one of their, I was a part of their Muse series. And we did like this incredible photo shoot, like completely topless with my scars and a shaved head. And it was like, we can take the shame away from it now. We can take the fear away from it. And I realized my favorite book is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And that's really the study. Alchemy is this like art and science of turning something like lead into gold. And for me, I was like, oh my God, this is emotional alchemy. Taking something that is so dark and heavy and unwanted, like the emotional equipment of equivalent of lead and consciously transforming it into being something really beautiful and special and uniquely my own. And from there I was like, everybody must know about this. <laughs> how do I, how do I tell everybody about this? And can you walk us through the nitty gritty of those <laughs> 10 steps that you've outlined to cultivate emotional alchemy? Mm-hmm. It's not like there's an easy 10 step system like, oh, in 10 steps, I can tell you, I can totally tell you how to overcome breast cancer and all fear surrounding a pandemic. It's like, unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> like, I really wish it did. But I, as I said, it is a practice. It is a cultivation. Mm -hmm. And I think that it starts with the very real and very profound understanding or like embodied understanding that out of everything that happens in your life, literally the only thing that you control is your inner environment. So if you choose to see yourself as, you know, what I would say, like at cause for your life, as opposed to life happening to you, life is happening for you. And of course there are challenges of, of course there is adversity and there, there tends to be a lot of it. It's constantly how we respond to that. So even if you use the example of like being in a, in an uncomfortable relationship or you have a really difficult relationship dynamic with somebody, you can choose to also be an asshole and nobody gets anywhere. Somebody can be an asshole to you and you can choose to respond with grace and patience and kindness. And it takes so much inner resolve to do so but you end up feeling better. So even though you're in a difficult situation, mm. you still have agency over how you're choosing to respond and react. And that is like, that is the mindset secret of all time of like, when everything else is going to shit around you, how do you choose to handle it? And how do you not, or how do you choose to not be handled by it? And as I say, and instead choose to handle it. I would start by setting intentions and really like starting each day off with a, you know what, today I'm going to choose to respond with grace and kindness and everything that happens. Or I'm going to choose to take a deep breath and count to five before I respond to anybody or I'm not going to respond to that. whatever the intention is for you and use that as like a guiding mantra, as like a checkpoint mm -hmm. for you. 
Mirror talk is the second one. Really getting, and this is so uncomfortable for people when they're first starting out, but really being able to go and look at yourself in the mirror and talk to, I'll say it, your inner child. Like really talk to that childlike version of yourself and check in with her and see how she's doing and ask her what she needs and really saying to yourself, like, I'm really proud of you for the work you did today. And I know that it didn't go well, or I know that you met somebody on Tinder and he isn't texting you back like he thought he would. And I know that hurts, but you know, really being there to support yourself in the mirror, like you can see an actual person looking back at you is really, really powerful setting affirmations. Um, affirmations I always find tricky because sometimes people are like, just set an affirmation and like, all your problems will go away. And I would argue that is really misguided information. (laughs) That is false. (laughs) But while you're working, while you're working on like really identifying how you feel and what your, what your old subconscious or limiting beliefs are, as you're working to change that on a deep level, which is what I do in my coaching practice with people, then you can back that up to be true by putting almost like a script on repeat in your head. So I am a magnet for abundance, love, and joy, like really sinking into those words. Or another one I love in my personal practice is let abundance flow through me so that I may serve others. And I, I start to put that on repeat, especially, you know, as I'm doing my own deep work and I just need something to like anchor that feeling, or I need something to kind of keep my brain chatter going. You pick a mantra or an affirmation that feels really, really good for you and like lock it down. It's not like a step one, do this. Step two, it really is this cycle of like, as you're setting affirmations and you're working on practicing intentions, also learn to cultivate gratitude and joy. We are so far removed, especially as women, we are so far removed from bringing joy and pleasure into our life. It's like there's some big resistance we have there. We add guilt and shame anytime and you know, it's true for so many people in sex. Like as soon as there's like, oh, you're going to pay attention to me. I better shut this down, you know, and um, we really need to cultivate that joy and bring back what feels good for you and doing more of that while also practicing mm-hmm. gratitude for what you have. Like there's so my own life changed so much when I shifted out of like, I cannot believe what they have over there. And it's so much better than what I have. And I cannot believe how little they have over there. Like it's so much worse than what I have to man. I'm so grateful for what I am doing. And I'm so grateful for what I've attracted. And I'm so grateful for what I've built and what I have, what I've been blessed with. It's a massive, massive shift. Just being able to practice gratitude. I love the joy piece of that because it just reminds me of a podcast that I listened to with Glennon Doyle. And she talks about how women are taught that the best thing you can be is selfless Mm. and a air quotes good girl and that whole conversation just totally changed my mindset because I realized that I was kind of raised like that too and generations of people were also raised to be selfless and to be good and it's just not true because the best thing that you can be is who you are living in all of your joy we do not just exist to solely serve others we can seek more than that we can seek pleasure and happiness and all that good stuff. And you just, I don't believe that you can serve others if you're not serving yourself too. A hundred percent. Like to be self, to be selfless literally means when you break down like the quantum linguistics of it, it means to be without self. So I would say the next, the next part of this like holistic spiral is emotional awareness. And that, and it's exactly that it's being aware of your emotions. Like 
that's so powerful in coming to know yourself and coming to really get an understanding of who you are is understanding what your reactions are, where they're coming from, and why you're experiencing that. Cultivating an emotional awareness is like a big part of self-mastery and emotional alchemy. Next, taking accountability and also acceptance. So having accountability for your own role in every dynamic. You know, somebody is a dickhead to you. Okay. He was a dickhead. What role did I play in that? This is not a blame the victim thing. It's a true introspection of like, how did I show up? Did I enable that? Did I, were my boundaries terrible? Like, was it purely a random encounter? And what would I do differently to avoid that pattern? How am I going to break this pattern? It's really taking accountability for everything you've played a role in. And again, cultivating that, that emotional awareness of, of what that means for you. Uh, and also, cultivating an acceptance you know when we when we spend a lifetime fighting things the pandemic is a great example if we are constantly focused on like the way it used to be or what we don't have it's really really painful because you're constantly aware of what you don't have and then you're living from this place of scarcity and lack and it's really threatening at, at a subconscious level mm. there's like a shift into i didn't plan for this but how can I choose to accept this and do something differently um, so that I can feel better in my body as opposed, to, as opposed to dwelling in that anger and feeling unfair all the time? The next one is a big one. Like whenever I'm talking uh, to my clients about this one, it is like the Mac Daddy, and that's forgiveness. <laughs> forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Mm. There was a moment in my own life where I was so mad. Like I was so mad at everybody who had mistreated me and everybody who hadn't ever stood up for me and everybody who had never had my back. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, I'm a part of this. Like I didn't have my back. I didn't stand up for me. I stayed in relationships for way too long that in which I was not happy. And I had to do a lot of self forgiveness to really find this like deep compassion for, um, an acceptance of doing the best that I could given what I had and then choosing to do better when I knew better. Right. And then, right. then really finding a way to forgive the other people who have wronged you and the most painful and the most cathartic part about this is that the people who have wronged you the most like that, you know, when you, when I say forgiveness and like your whole body tenses up and you're like, Nope, not doing that. That person is probably never going to apologize to you. That person is probably never going to take accountability for the ways in which they hurt you. I think it's Tony Robbins says the thing you think you can't do is the thing you must do. And those people who have wow. really cut deep is like, you can live with that pain and that anger and that injustice, or you can decide that, yep, that pain has absolutely informed your experience and you're going to choose to let the weight of it go and that you're going to choose forgiveness in order to free yourself of that wound, right? And forgiveness isn't even for the other person. It's for you. It is. When you think someone isn't deserving of your forgiveness, you're actually setting yourself free by doing it. It it's, has nothing to do with them and setting them free. And also, it's about forgiving yourself. Yeah. I mean, I know that I've worked through a lot of feelings and judgments I had towards myself for how I treated myself and thought of myself when I was younger and how I acted sometimes, some of the decisions that I made. I wish I had been a better advocate for myself, but I've had to forgive myself for that. And I acknowledge now that 
I did the best that I could with the tools that I had and now I know better and now I can do better. A hundred percent. And that's why, that's why it's such a big one, right? Cause that requires so much inner resolve to be like, Whoo, you know, that really hurt. And still I'm going to make peace with it and I'm going to move on. And the only person who can do that is you. Like nobody else can grant you access to that freedom, but you, that brings us to compassion. And compassion is like that warm glow that you can choose to turn up anytime you want. You know, it goes hand in hand with forgiveness, being able to find compassion, not only for yourself, um, but for others. You know, I've had, uh, I've had several narcissists in my life play like active, active roles in my relationships. And there's a part of me that's just like, I can't change this behavior. I can change the way I react to it. I can change how I internalize it. And I can flip the script. I can totally change my lens and be like, I have so much compassion for this person. I cannot imagine what it must feel like every day to be them. I cannot imagine coming to the table with such like bitter poison and seeing the world as like a giant, scary, dark place in which you feel like you, you, you're just driven to treat other people like shit. I can't yeah. imagine how awful that would be. And suddenly it's like, wow. That's compassion. Just being able to turn it up and being like, okay, I'm okay. This is actually not about me. It's about their own experience. And I happen to be a part of it. And that is not easy to do. (laughs) Which also segues into, you know, that final, like that 10th point or that 10th strength, I guess, is to cultivate optimism, patience, and hope. And that too is a huge ask. The alternative is to focus on the negative stuff. It's to focus on, you know, a sense of hopelessness and the feeling of like things are never going to work out for me. And we don't know. So frankly, I choose to focus on what feels good because I'm like all about bringing pleasure and joy into my life. So I'd rather focus, like feel my feelings and be very, very honest with myself about what's experience, what I'm, what I'm experiencing, what I have experienced, and then turning that, you know, this emotional alchemy lens choosing to believe that it's going to work out for me. You know, that thing that you mentioned earlier that you do forgive yourself, forgive yourself, choose to learn the lessons and really see how that can inform your future in a really positive way. Cause you'll never have to make that mistake again. Right. This constant choice of like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to experience it. I'm going to heal it. And I'm going to choose to repurpose it going forward. And I'm going to choose to be hopeful But you also have a chapter in your book dedicated to the paradox of positivity or what you call toxic positivity, which like sucker punched me in the stomach when I read it because I was like, this is me. I run something bad will happen or I'll tell Jill about something that's happened to me and I'll be like, but I'm fine. It's fine. I'm good. We're good. I don't want to talk about it. I'm fine. And like, it's just not healthy to just shove it all down. So can you and there's one line I just want to read it because it was really powerful. Have the courage to see the bright side and don't let it blind you. So why, why is that important? And, and just, just walk us through that. I love that line too. (laughs) I just did an IGTV video on this very, very recently because, you know, we're on month like 35,000, I think it is of COVID. And it's like, it's like, right, give or take, it's really weighing on me. And I think that you know, I wrote my book during chemo, you know, like I had a really, really shitty divorce and I lived to tell the tale and have like really repurposed a beautiful life, like this Phoenix rising out of the ashes. So even in the face of being able to choose hope and positivity and optimism, if you don't choose to actually feel your feelings, which is to deny your own experience, 
you are lying to yourself. And when we talk about emotional health, if you don't allow yourself the full expression of who you are and what you're feeling, then we go back to how we opened this conversation that you're just repressing it. And when you repress it and you add shame on top of it, cause you don't even want to feel it. Like you don't even want to admit that you're feeling it. You can barely think it, let alone say it out yeah. loud. Yeah. That becomes incredibly toxic because you're being inc- like so dishonest with yourself. You have to allow yourself to sit and feel your feelings, even when they're uncomfortable. I love saying that you have to feel it to heal it. I would highly advocate that you have this really beautiful vision of what your future looks and feels like and really hold on tight to that vision, really like sink into it as a lucid daydream while allowing yourself to be like, I also right now feel really frustrated and I'm really angry and frankly a little bit jealous and feeling kind of like this is unfair and I'm mad about it. It's like they say um, sunshine is the best antiseptic. It's like bringing that stuff to the surface allows you to see it allows you to process it and even share it and that's what allows for the healing our feelings are just feedback and our feedback that feedback is constantly giving us insights as to what still needs to be healed so if you don't allow yourself the opportunity to feel those feelings you're totally ignoring what still needs to be healed deep inside of you and it it won't work out well for you it'll just keep getting louder and bigger until you have like a serious problem on your hands yeah and i want to talk more about feelings because you have to work through your emotions to process and to cope and heal. And I love that you said that they provide feedback because mm-hmm. I do believe that feelings are just data points and they provide valuable indications of what needs healing and what you're still working through. But we're never actually taught how to feel them. And there's just no structure or framework on how to deal, how to cope with heavy shit. So totally. can you walk us through your steps on how exactly to process feelings? Yes. I know you talk about naming them and I really, really love that. But yeah, can you walk us through why this is important and how to do it? But if you think even when we're kids and, you know, you fall off your bike and with very, very good intentions, and as a parent, I can attest to this with very, very good intentions. It's like, oh, you're okay. Don't cry. It's going to be fine. It's like, no, I'm really hurt. I just scraped my knee. Like, let me, like, let me feel my shit right now. We're we're never taught how to do that. So I think the antidote to that is like, name it, like, really, really name it, it, like be aware of it and name it that, okay, this is anger. Like this is anger that I'm feeling, or this is, oh shit, this is loneliness that I'm feeling. This is really uncomfortable. And then I would start to investigate where does that come from? Like maybe where do I feel it in my physical body? Do I feel it in my gut? Do I feel it in my chest? Where is that coming from? Can I remember a time where I also felt like this? What did that look like? feel like sound like am I able to trace it back to its origin source am I even able to identify like the trigger point or where that's coming from and when I can do this like emotional CSI work on those feelings and where they're coming from that's when I'm able to be like I and this is kind of one of my own mindset tricks but ask myself what is the story I'm really telling myself here and is that story true so let me name this feeling let me explore that feeling let me question that feeling and then I can fully process it to let it go but another piece of resilience is when you have to blow up your own life which is a really scary thing to do and it requires a strong mindset so when we approach change and committing to a new scary path whether that's Mm -hmm. getting out of a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. or changing jobs because a job you're in sucks or moving somewhere totally new I, I know you described ending your marriage as like a phoenix rising and how mm-hmm. you have to set things on fire to raise back up which I love 
And it totally reminds me of Harry Potter, which is a bonus. <laughs> but what's your advice for people who need to navigate difficult life decisions right now mm. with grit and grace? I, I often liken it to um, that moment you realize you've been sleepwalking through your life when you just keep going through the motions and you go to the same restaurants and you have the same friend mm-hmm. group and you have the same sexless partnership or whatever it is. And it's just like, this is what we do now. We're 30. This is what life is like. And, you know, when you get married and have kids, it's like, oh, this is what marriage is like. This is what parenting is like. That's when I want to, like, just give the biggest record scratch of all time and be like, what are you doing? You're 30. You have endless life ahead of you. What the hell are you doing? Do you want to be a zombie for the rest of your life or do you want to have an engaged life? Neither is easy. It is not easy to be a zombie and walking through your life afraid of making any changes. It feels easier in the short term because you're like, I cannot imagine removing myself from this friendship, cutting off this family member, leaving this partner, calling off a divorce, choosing to not have kids, whatever it is, whatever the thing is, walking away from a career I've invested like 10 years and probably more education in. That's not easy. It's incredibly difficult. And when it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. So when you know it in your bones and your intuition is screaming at you to do this thing, when you listen, yes, it'll be hard and everything actually does conspire to help you on your way. That does not mean it's easy. It does not mean it's pretty. You still have to literally disintegrate into ashes and then burst into flames. Like it's not fun. you know, but it's met with so much support and resilient. Like had I stayed in that marriage, which looked completely perfect on the outside. It's not like a personal thing. It looked totally perfect. Had I stayed in that marriage, I would not be who I am today. And that would be a tragedy. Like I, I, I'm confident in saying that would be a tragic waste of my life. Conversely, if you want to stay sleepwalking in the zombie state, it sounds a lot easier, as I said, to like not make the decision. But then you've committed to living in a life that you don't feel like yourself. You don't feel like you can safely express yourself. You wake up dreading something. You fall asleep with massive anxiety. You probably have panic attacks from time to time because you're not living in alignment with your truth. Yes. And it takes grit. I feel like so many people in my life, myself included, need to hear this right now because the zombie reference, man, it's so accurate. I can't tell you how many convos I've had with my friends who, I mean, we're all in our late 20s and a lot of people are unhappy right now and everyone's just like, well, this is just what life is. And mm-hmm. and we're all just like, yep, this is 30. What you going to do? There's just mm-hmm. there's nothing to be done. But that's not true. Like you're just giving up. There are always other options. It's it's just hard to choose something that's different. Mm-hmm. But as Glennon Doyle says, you can do hard things. And you must do hard things because then things can get better. And I feel like people are just so attached to basic comfort. Like they don't want to go out of their comfort zone to see how much better shit can get on the other side. They don't love where they're at, but it's safe and it's comfortable. So they won't bother seeing how much better things could be if they took a chance on the life they deserve. You have to be able to, you know, allow yourself to go through that discomfort of that level of processing. And in order to be fully present, I think you need to really zoom out and like imagine yourself floating up and up and up and up and looking down on this moment. This is a moment in your life. So you have this weird paradox that happens because it's like you have to be able to stay present and feel like, wow, I'm scared right now or you know, in the case of so many for us in COVID, it's like, I'm really grieving 
Black Lives Matter coming to the surface in such a huge, huge, huge public way is like, I'm grieving for a collective of people I don't even know across mm-hmm. the world and I'm in pain because it's a collective pain. You have to be able to feel that and be honest about it and explore it and talk about it. And you have to be able to zoom out and be like, okay, this is a moment. What would the next moment look like? Like, you know, we, we all love movies. What if this were a movie? If I were like watching this on a screen ahead of me, what would I want to see next? Well, when you kind of disassociate yourself from the moment, you're actually able to be more present in the moment because you can be like, okay, this sucks right now, or this is scary right now, or this is incredibly tragic right now. What happens next? Like in that hero's journey, how is this right here? Like all this devastation, how is this preparing us for what's to come? The shitty thing is we don't know. We don't know because we're living it in real time. So I find when you're able to zoom out and be like, okay, this is hard and it's only a moment and I know something better comes after this, then it allows me to come back to the present moment and be like, okay, I'm good. Like I'm still allowed to feel and I'm still also allowed to not be not sabotage, but like, I don't have to drown in my feelings. I'm allowed to feel them and also be like, all right, it's okay. Like things are going to, things are moving. (sighs) Yeah. I related so hard in your book to when you broke down all of the fear-based spirals that people fall into. I was like, oh my God, I have said every single one of these things to myself before. Yeah. Like if I'm not in a long-term committed relationship now, that doesn't mean I'll never find love. And if I don't love my level of fitness right now, that doesn't mean I'll never be able to love myself. But those are the stories I tell myself often. Man, when COVID started, I fucking spiraled. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll never be able to be an entrepreneur and start the business that I've been building. I'll never find someone to marry and have a family with because we're in a freaking pandemic. But staying in the present moment and zooming out all of the techniques that you talk about, they really do help pull you out of those kind of negative ruts that you can get yourself into. And you know, what an opportunity, even though it's a challenging one, what an opportunity to be like, okay, there's my trigger point. So clearly I'm afraid of not finding a partner for some reason. Let me explore that. Right. And let me ask myself if that story is true. I'm afraid I'm never going to be able to start this business. Okay. Where's that story coming from? Like, what am I actually afraid of here and trace it back? And suddenly, you know, I'm 39 and single and like, I have three little girls from my previous marriage and it's like, there have been serious moments like to the extent that I'm writing a second book about this serious moments of like that's it that's over for me I will never find love and then it's like girl you are 39 you have built a six-figure empire in like less than three years while raising a family you're good like just slow it down (laughs) just slow it down I could meet the I could meet somebody you could meet somebody tomorrow we have no Mm -hmm. idea it's so painful in the moment because you're like, you can only see this far ahead of you. You have to be able to zoom out and be like, what am I actually afraid of? How do I let myself heal that? And then how do I repurpose that fear in such a way that it allows me to confront what I'm afraid of in this really courageous way so that I can take action in my own life? Yeah. And taking that step back also allows you to have gratitude for where you are. Like you said, you were like, hang on a second. I'm doing pretty friggin' good. I know. So I, yeah, yeah, that's that's important. <laughs> it's just perspective. And that's why like mindset yeah. is such a, a mind bender. Cause it's, it's relentless. It's relentless perspective and it's relentless introspection. Yeah. Yeah. So you say in your book that the shortcut to healing is gratitude and what resonated and truly brought tears to my eyes was 
how you talk about the way that you found miracles along your journey while getting your cancer treatments. It's yeah, insanely powerful and it takes so much positivity and gratitude to be able to identify these beautiful moments along a really difficult path. So how did you make that mindset shift in those moments to seek out gratitude and to find the good moments that were happening when you're going through something so scary? Uh, thank you very much. That that still makes me like get all chillsy because it like it was so powerful. And I did the same thing through divorce. I really did. And people are like, oh, cancer must have changed you. It did. It was leaving my marriage that really changed me. Like that was this catal catalyst event. And I felt uh, that cancer was like that. Okay, cool. You want to call yourself a mindset and success coach? Awesome. Let's throw one more curveball at you and see. Like <laughs> just just see if you're if you're sure. And I was like, I'm really sure. But trust me, I am sure. For me, it was that, you know, I had already experienced what I felt in my body when I shifted out of constantly looking around and comparing myself and shifted into like, all right, what can I just be really grateful for? Well, I think it's really spectacular that I can just go to the grocery store and buy food off the shelves. And as soon as COVID hit and we're like, oh my God, I think grocery stores don't exist anymore. You get a real yeah. sense of how much we take for granted in our lives. So for me, for cancer, it was very much this realization that... Um, I chose to make every part of that experience beautiful. So for example, when I went to the hospital for, you have like a barrage of appointments and tests that have scary names. And um, I was going to these appointments by choice alone so I could like fully process it. But I hated how they always just stripped me of my clothes, gave me a blue gown and a number. And I was like, I feel like I just lost my identity. So I would start like showing up in my leopard print Jimmy Choo's and like text photos of myself in my blue yes. gown and shoes and like send them to friends and stuff. And so suddenly it was like, okay, now I'm having fun. Like I brought joy back to this. I told my nurses that um, I was gonna write a book during chemo and could I please have the chair in the corner cause it had the best light. And they, they saved my chair for me every session for four months. They reserved the chair in the corner with the good light because they knew it would just make my experience so much better. And, you know, there was like, a, uh, what's it called? Like a sun catcher kind of thing on the window. So it would mm. send rainbows through. So I'd be fucking sitting there with an IV in my arm with like rainbows dancing on my arm. Aww. And I would just sit there and be like, I live in a place where I'm not like, I've already paid for this. Like my taxes have enabled me to pay for this. I'm yeah. fine. Like so many little miracles happened to me that people supported me in so many unexpected ways that I was like, this is scary and, and I'm fine. I don't know how to do this and still I'm doing it. I didn't even notice I had cancer and I'm, I'm not even being trite. I didn't even notice I had cancer because I turned the entire thing into be more of a game and it became just so much more of like a, this weird series of blessings that happened and it's because I chose to really sink into that like how do I do this like how do I make this my own how do I experience this in a way not where people are telling me like this is what your cancer experience is going to look like but instead mm -hmm. all right here's what my life looks like and how does cancer like fit into that for me wow thank you so much for sharing that so one final thing we love to ask all of our guests is what's one thing you wish you had been taught in school? Oof. Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> Parents everywhere are going to hate me. I think that like school is so mostly irrelevant. Like we, we have this one notion yeah. of what school should be and we don't like, yeah, sure, we learn at school, but we don't, we go to school to learn so much 
else. I wish I had known how insignificant it is in the grand scheme of your life. My attitude is so much different now towards my own kids going to school because it's like you're going to basically have adversity training. Like you're going to you go from this yeah. really beautiful, enriching home life to go and experience what the other feels like. What I wish I had known is that this is a blip. It's so inconsequential. It's such a blip. Like, <laughs> I know. Like just take out of it what you can and appreciate that this is honestly like inconsequential almost to the grand scheme of your life man I wish little Jill had known that way back when she was just a stress ball in school and everything was a mountain and everything was a huge deal I know But honestly I bet that advice is still applicable at every life stage that we go through so tell everybody where they can find you. Pimp yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> so leasewilcox.com is the hub. And my name is so unique that if you just Google Lise Wilcox, I guarantee you'll find me, L-E-I-S-S-E. Um, but that's where my podcast is. Um, you can grab my book there. All my online courses are there. Working with me privately for this like epic transformation breakthrough day. Or as I said, this incredibly supportive and healing um, six-month mentorship one-on-one with me. Um, I have so many support products being launched for uh I guess for November and December like to go with the book so there's a tote bag there's a mug there's a journal that comes with a highlighter and a pen like to really like write (laughs) out all the feels that we're talking about um that's going to be available on my website very soon and as I said yeah there are like self-study online courses anything from like leveling up your natural confidence to really getting a, a true sense of what does it look like to truly love yourself and not in the Instagram like just love yourself like that's all you have to do no (laughs) step by step here's how you actually go from a place of self-loathing or thinking you have to be a total people pleaser or dealing with feelings of imposter syndrome and really dialing up that self-love and compassion and truly come home to yourself so leasewilcox.com also on instagram every single day at leasewilcox we hope that this episode helps you cultivate resilience and master your mindset so that you can overcome whatever life throws at you we'll leave you with a quote from author jody pico The human capacity for burden is like bamboo, far more flexible than you'd ever believe at first glance. That's what she said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.